Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. Uh, let's go to Genesis this evening. Genesis, the book of Genesis, where it all began, and chapter 18. The book of Genesis, chapter 18. We're going to start reading in verse 1. And it said, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and he saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and he bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get up. By the way, this is a welcome for those of you who are here this morning and heard an amazing message from Gillian. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he bought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said, then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? And here's our key phrase. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Could you read it out loud with me tonight? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Say it again. Is anything too hard. Say it like you mean it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not lie. Never lie to God, guys. It's just bad. It's just not going to work. But God said, yes, you did laugh. I love that verse for some reason. You know, this passage of Scripture that we're reading from tonight, it's important that you know about this passage that when this moment occurs, Abraham and Sarah are 25 years into a journey that they've been on believing for a promise that God gave to them to find fruition in their lives. For 25 years, they've been clinging to a promise. For 25 years, they've believed for something that God has got for them to come to pass in their lives. It was 25 years before this that Abraham walked up to Sarah while she was having high tea with her girlfriends one morning. And Abraham approached her and said, baby, we gotta go, we gotta leave. Sarah says, why, sweetheart? And Abraham says, well, darling, God spoke to me in prayer this morning. God spoke to me. 
He said, we've got to go. Where are we going, honey? I, I don't know, but we got to go even though I don't know. And by the way, if you want faith in your life that's going to do something amazing, then learn from Abraham. If God says go, then you go even if you don't know what you don't know. Amen. I mean, I don't know if that works. So the Bible says that Sarah, this dutiful wife, she follows her husband's leading. She joins him on this journey of faith. You gotta know, by the way, that when Abraham gave that challenge to Sarah, or that, that call to Sarah, it was the second of two leavings. Sarah had grown up in one place. She had followed Abraham's father to a town by the name of Haran. He'd kind of gotten old and shriveled and died there. He is now gone. And then God speaks to Abraham, continue the family journey. And so for the second time in her life, Sarah has to pack it all up and leave. She finds herself one day, Abraham just keeps moving, keeps moving, keeps moving. And then one day, suddenly they're on this great journey when God speaks to Abraham and Abraham shares with Sarah and he says, sweetheart, this is it. She says, what do you mean? She says, this land that you can see, everything that's around you right now, God's gonna give all of this to us. Yeah, darling, if you can see it, God's gonna give it to us. And God is gonna give us so many descendants they are gonna be like the stars in the sky and like the sand on the seashore. Everything that you see, God is gonna give to us. Sarah's like, oh, honey, that's amazing. Wow, that's, that's phenomenal. God has spoken to Abraham, but, but, but with Abraham on this journey is Sarah. The promise is that they will have children and so they're, they're doing what they can, doing what people do in order for children to be born into this world. But as many times as they try, no matter how much practice they might have, no baby arrives. Month after month and, and year after year, Abraham and Sarah believing for a child, but no child comes. I mean, you can imagine Sarah, she's like, you know, God's faithful. God's gonna do something. If God's spoken to my husband, it's gonna happen. But as the years creep by, Sarah is getting old and she can start to feel changes happening on the inside of her. She's thinking, I've only got a limited shelf life left for this promise to come to pass in my life. So she's praying. She's saying, God, you spoke to Abraham. If you spoke to my husband, then the promise is gonna come to pass. But friends, if you know anything about people and if you know anything about walking by faith, then you would know that there's not just one conversation Sarah's having on the inside of her. She's having two. I mean, the first conversation's a faith one, hopefully, hopefully. I think for most people, probably not. But she's thinking, God spoke to my husband. Any day now, I'm gonna feel that flutter in my tummy. I'm gonna know this baby is on the way. But you know what? The other thing she's thinking is, what if my husband missed it? What if he just had too much pizza one night and it wasn't really God speaking to him? He just had some kind of cheese-inspired dream. Do you know what I'm talking about? What if my husband is just a lunatic and we've been living out here in a strange land, we can't understand our neighbours, we don't own anything, we're just on this great journey and the journey is for nothing. That's what Sarah's thinking. Then the, the age is reached where Sarah can no longer give birth to a child. Her, her, years, her years of falling pregnant are over. Years of dreaming, years of believing, years of hoping, years of waiting, Years of praying and everything has come to nothing. And something breaks in Sarah's childlike little heart. 
The Bible tells us that when Sarah is in her 90s, that Abraham is sitting at the entrance to his tent when he looks out into the horizon and he sees three men. And the Bible says he jumps up, that he runs to greet them. There's always been this quickness about Abraham, this eagerness about Abraham, this expectation about Abraham. And he calls to these three men. He says, come hang with me, spend some time with me. He went out to the roadway to give a welcome. And if you weren't here this morning, you need to listen to the message. It was absolutely amazing. And the Bible says that these three men come and they're hanging out with Abraham. He runs into the tent to Sarah. He says, baby, could you get, could you get this food ready? Could you help me with this project? He's got his servants on board. And we've got two pictures here in the story. We've got an Abraham that's out there in the, in the world. We've got an Abraham with an expectation about him. We've got an Abraham who's full of faith. And we've got a Sarah who's just dwelling in the tent. See, something's happened to Sarah. Years of believing and hoping and waiting and wondering when that promise had come to pass only to go through the age of menopause and to find that now she's not gonna give birth to a child have made Sarah, what I wanna call for you tonight, a citizen of the tent. When, when the angel of the Lord appears to Sarah, the Bible just says about Sarah that she's just hanging out in the tent. Because Sarah's thinking to herself, you know what, there's a lot of hyped up people out there. And they've got a lot of things that they want to share with me. And I might have a husband that drags me around the world. and I might not have my family. <laughs> okay. I might not have... I might not have no chewing gum in the service. I don't know what that was. I might, not have, I might not have anybody that I can call a close friend. But wherever this lunatic husband of mine drags me, I will always have this tent. I will always have the familiarity of it. I will always have the comfort of it. I've got my TV. Now we all want an LG one that's hung on the wall by magnets, right? I've got my microwave, I've got my rug, I've got, I've got the comfort of it, the familiarity of it, I've got the restriction of it, I've got the smallness of it. But wherever I go, I will always have my tent. And I've, I've got this feeling about people, and, and I think you'll find this to be true, that most of us start off in life with a sense of promise. That when you came into this world, if I was to come up to you at the age of three, if you ever met any child that's small and say, what do you wanna be when you grow up? Nobody's gonna tell you, I'm hoping that I've got a tent with an LG TV in it. Everybody, every small child's got a dream, right? Everybody's got something big on the inside of them. Everybody's got a belief and a confidence and an expectation that God is gonna use them. But if we're honest, friends, we would have to say, that like Sarah, life happens to us, doesn't it? And we don't always go through good days. We go through a lot of bad days, sometimes more bad than good. Anybody wanna be honest today? And along the way, through the journey of life, it can easily to become no longer a friend of Abraham, but to become instead a friend of Sarah, where we just wanna live in a little safe world, where we're not living on the edge anymore. 
When we wanna play it safe and just hang with our homies and get in a safe little comfort zone of familiar surroundings and to become no longer someone looking at the world with great expectation, but now to find ourselves in the company of the many, the citizens of the tent. And now we've got Abraham and he is literally standing as these men are enjoying this meal. And inside the tent nearby is Sarah, his wife. And one of the men, we actually know his name because it's clarified later in our passage and we, it is declared for all to know in the New Testament, his name is Jesus. And here, Abraham is having a conversation with Jesus before he was ever born into this world. And in this amazing moment, Jesus speaks to Abraham and he asks the question, where is your wife? And Abraham replies and he says, well, Sarah, she is hanging out in the tent. She is there in the tent. I love this next sentence and I pray that it gives hope to any person that is in this auditorium who might have feel that life has gone past you, missed you, skipped you that there's no reason for confidence anymore or belief or expectation to be your inner fortitude anymore. We've got this Jesus speaking to Abraham and He says, about this time next year, I will return and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Is there anybody in this room who believes that in one year, God can turn everything around? In one year. In one year, God can radically change your life. In one year, God can breathe dignity into your dreams. In one year, God can give reality to things that have seemed delayed. In one year, God can heal your body. In one year, God can bring a promise to you. In one year, in one year, that which has been believed for can come to pass in your life. If you believe that's possible for you and possible for God, then I want you to lift your voice and give our God some praise right now. He can turn anything around in one year. If you believe it, shout amen. 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 And the Bible tells us that Sarah, Sarah, who is buried deep in this tent, laughs. Ha! Ha! She says, here comes, Abraham's found a buddy. That's what she's thinking. She's thinking crazy, just make crazy, right? I mean, here is this crazy husband. I love him, but he's a lunatic. I've got food to eat. I'm staying with him. I'm old anyway. But you know, she's thinking, here I am. And now we're crazy. Just me crazy. And you know, now that we got this declaration, we're going to have a child. After I am old, I'm now wrinkly. After I am old and my master is worn out and married people can interpret that any way they want. After I am old and my master is worn out, will I now have this pleasure? (laughs) Somebody's really enjoying that joke. We don't want to go into the details of why. After I am old, will I now have this pleasure? And man, when you hear this, when you hear that sentence, I know what you're thinking. Every young person in this room is thinking, man, if God's going to speak to me, then I'm going to believe it. If God's got a promise for me, then I'm up for it. Man, I'm never going to be a dad or I'm never going to be a a cynic. I'm never going to be a skeptic. But I want you to know that what we find in Sarah here is something that we find in far too many people in our world today. 
It's a laugh that comes from her, her, her years of believing. It's, it's a laugh that comes from her, her, her cynicism, her skepticism, the dubiousness that dwells within every single one of us. And I want you to know that no matter how much you want to put yourself in the company of Abraham, if I pushed you hard enough, I'd find your laugh. God can heal every sickness. God can cure every disease. God can turn generations of abject poverty into prosperity. God can rebuke every curse. God can restore what the locust has stolen. God's got hope for your future. He's got the right person for you to marry. He's got the right career for you to enter into. You are able to change the world. You're not a mistake, you're a person of destiny. God put you on this room for a room for a reason. God can heal that addiction. God can break that curse. That you've got years of life left for you. You're gonna be a world changer for the glory of God. The local church is the hope of the world. Your life group can grow. Your high school can be reached. Your university campus can know revival. God can breathe life into the most cynical of people in your family. There is hope and salvation for those that surround you. Does anybody believe that God's got promises? Come on. And the inside of Sarah, she starts to doubt. She starts to laugh. And friends, I believe that it is easy for you and I to start off on the journey of our lives with these promises on the inside of us just to find ourselves at some point, some moment, some period of our journey. And up inside of us, there comes that laugh. The problem with that laugh is that it is the presence of the laugh that sentences us to the ordinary. It is the moment the laugh kicks in that our lives are robbed of the miraculous. It is the moment we begin to be cynical about the things that God has for us that they are no longer a possibility for us in our lives. So along comes Jesus to speak not to Abraham, but to Sarah. And in this, this most amazing moment of exchange, we have a question being presented by Jesus specifically to Sarah. And this question holds poignance for us. We gather here in this auditorium and this is literally the last Sunday that in the, the close geographical region of Wellington, we will have one campus. In 2007, I believe, we moved into this auditorium. Our church was five years old and when we moved in here, we filled only to the sound desk, which is, you know, as you can see, halfway back on the ground floor and only on really, really good Sundays. <laughs> We would like black out half of the sections on the side so that we could have our church services. And basically once university finished for the summer, we were just praying that we could make it through the summer. I mean, it was just an amazing step of faith. And then we watched what God did as a group of people got out of a comfortable environment and moved to a new environment, how the Lord continued to add to our number daily, those that were being saved, and how year after year the church continued to grow. And now we are here tonight, and this is the third of three services, and already several thousand people have been impacted in this auditorium today, plus the same again or more outside of this auditorium up and down the nation of New Zealand and all that's happened since a group of people stepped into this auditorium in August of 2007. Well, here we are and this is the last time we're just in one location in Wellington on a Sunday. Next weekend, we open the Hutt Valley Campus and it is my confident expectation that God didn't bring our church this far to leave us where we are. 
We're not just opening a new building, we're opening a new chapter. We're not just stepping into a new time, we're stepping into a new decade. We're believing that the same God who brought us this far is gonna multiply our steps in the days that are to come. We're gonna fill this auditorium every Sunday. We're gonna fill that auditorium every Sunday. It's never been about full auditoriums. It's always been about a changed life. And if you believe God can change your life, give Him some praise in this place right now. Come on, we sang it this morning, but I wonder whether Abraham sang it or whether Sarah sang it. We go from glory to glory to glory. We'll never be the same. We'll never be the same. You take us higher and higher and higher. We're forever changed. I don't know about you, but I believe that about the church. I believe that about the miraculous power of God. I believe that about this generation, that we're going higher and higher. We're going from glory to glory. I believe the fields are ripe for harvest. I believe believe that people are looking for hope and love and salvation. I want to be a part of the Abraham team. I want to be a believer. I want to be a confident person. Stepping, I'm preaching myself excited. I apologize. Just on the inside of me as we take the step of faith, there's just this big thing that says that we've got to circle back tonight, team. We've got to circle back to this one specific and monumental question. And here it is. Is anything too hard for the Lord? To Sarah, the question sounded like this. Can a woman in the 90s who's already gone through menopause conceive and give birth to a child? Is that too hard for the Lord? Can somebody who's felt like their addictions have dominated their life find freedom, purpose, dignity, family, and destiny? Is that too hard for the Lord? Can a loveless marriage be something you walk into and feel a deep sense of satisfaction about? Is that too hard for the Lord? Can a person who looks in the mirror and says reject, wake up and one day and realize that they're not just a reject, but they're accepted and destined and beautiful and purpose? Is that too hard for the Lord? Can God prosper your business? Can God save your family? Can God change your high school? Can God change your life group? Can God enable you to write songs that travel the world? Can God open up a microphone and a pulpit and make your voice to a new generation? Can God prosper your business? Can God add to your number? Can God fill your body with joy? I'm here to ask you, is anything too hard for the Lord? Come on, if you believe nothing's too hard for Him, give Him a loud shout of praise in this room tonight. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. There is nothing too hard. See friends, Sarah is literally on the eve of the most powerful miracle moment in her life. Yet when God jumps into her story, she's not thinking about the miracle, she's thinking about the futility of her life. And I've got this feeling that in this room this evening, God wants you to know that these are not ordinary days, but extraordinary days. Not a natural season in your life, but a supernatural season. This is not the time of wasted dreams. This is the time of reborn dreams. Something's coming to life in your heart, life in your world, and life in your destiny this very season. 
God's calling to life our promises. He's declaring new dreams over your heart. There are people that are in this auditorium tonight who just need to know that God is just around the corner from pouring out something amazing in your life that you've been believing for for weeks, months, years, or even childhood dreams that come into life. There are people literally studying this year who are only studying because of a dream God gave you. But even in the middle of your study, you're starting to doubt whether the dream was real. I'm here to tell you, don't give up on God's dream. You keep believing because God brought you this far and He'll bring you the whole way. And if you believe it, shout Amen tonight. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? See, as life's happened to Sarah, the most tragic thing has happened to her. Sarah has exchanged the bigness of our God for a life that is now small. If there is one thing that you and I gotta know about God, it is that our God is big. He's not small. He's not impotent. He's fully potent. He holds the world in the palm of His hand. He literally threw stars into the universe just to adorn the night sky for your enjoyment. Paid sunshines, sunrises individually every day for those morning people like me to get to enjoy. The God of the universe is able to do whatever He wants to do in whatever time frame He chooses to do it. He is able, if you believe it, shout amen. amen. But as life happens to us, we exchange big for small. And Sarah's life has gone from the bigness of God to the smallness of her experiences. And so God turns up to Sarah to ask her a question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Have you ever stopped to consider what it must have been like to be Adam and Eve hanging out in the garden? I mean, I talked about this a, little, a couple of weeks ago, but I want to talk about it from a different perspective tonight, to think about what it must have been like to be in an environment created by God with none of the hindrances of sin. To be in a space where there was no resistance to the will and the purpose of God. I mean, Adam and Eve were in the garden and the Bible says it was only because of the fall. Now, I'm a gardener. It was only because of the fall that Adam now had to produce fruit from the ground with the sweat of his brow. In other words, when Adam was in the garden, the ground did not resist his purpose. It supported it. Abraham is in, sorry, Adam. Abraham was not in the garden of Eden. Do not write that down. Adam was in the garden. Adam was in the garden. And Adam would be like, you know, Eve, let's just, uh, let's just plant some carrots over here because they're awesome. And she was like, yeah, that's great. So Abraham would throw some carrot seeds in the ground and all the ground was fertile and there was nothing that would destroy it. No arid ground, no weeds, no thorns, no thistles. Up would come the carrots and bam, they had some carrots. We would love some mangoes. So they plant some mango trees. And next thing you know, they got some juicy, juicy mangoes. Apples, apples. They got the man apples and the mangoes and they've got the pumpkin and they've got the cauliflower. By the way, did you know that Adam and Eve were vegetarians in the Garden of Eden? Just thought I'd mention that. Whoa, that'll strike to all those who love meat. Anyway, keeping on going to get the rest of you back on board. That nothing that they ever tried to do in the garden ever failed. Nothing they tried to do in the garden ever had disappointment or experienced a broken dream. They never, they never tried something and experienced failure. Have you ever imagined what a it must have been like to live in a world where everything you tried, you were successful at. 
God said rule and reign over the universe and no devil in hell was there to resist them. And so everything they did, they won at. Can you imagine how they must have thought? Adam and Eve weren't thinking, I hope we can reach our high school. They were just like, that's next week's agenda. They weren't just praying that they could pass their university exam. They're just saying, that's what we're gonna do in this semester is get straight A's. Everything they wanted, they didn't think small. They thought big. They didn't dream little. They dreamed large. They weren't looking to survive in life. They knew that they were here to thrive in life. But the Bible tells us that along came the serpent and he convinced Adam and Eve to sin and they ate of the fruit of the tree. And the Bible says that the moment they ate of the fruit of the tree that their eyes were opened and they realized that they, they were naked. We preached about this the other week, but let me just point it to you this way. Their focus shifted from what they were capable of to what they were incapable of from what they were qualified for to what they were now disqualified for, from how great they were to how flawed they were. Listen, you gotta catch this. With the entrance of sin, they exchanged big for small. And our fight for ever since has been against the small. Our fight for ever since has to been to live in a world where God is still speaking. God is still speaking. I mean, Christians sometimes who are like, God's not speaking to me. And I'm like, shut up, He's speaking to you. <laughs> but one thing about God's voice you gotta know is God ain't speaking small. Just because sin entered into this world, God didn't change His language. God still thinks big. God still plans big. God still believes that your life can count for big. God still believes that you can do something amazing with your life, that you're here for a reason. Can I get an amen tonight? And just because there is sin in your life or just because you've had bad experiences, just because a serpent is still trying to lie and deceive a new generation, it does not mean for a second that we should ever lower the potential of our God. So God came to Sarah and I believe God comes to you and I believe God comes to me. And here's this question for us tonight. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Because my friends, God doesn't want you and I walking through this life thinking small, dreaming small. He doesn't want us taking this new step as a church as we open our seventh location, multiply our Wellington campus of Arise and thinking that we are just gonna go through minutiae or exercise or just somehow perpetuate the same normalities we experience today. Not for a moment, a thousand times no. God's got a great purpose in mind, a new step of faith for us today. There are great days that are still ahead. The greatest days for the church are in its future. The greatest days for your life are around the corner. This is a day of multiplication. This is a season of increased favour. Now is the day of the favour of the Lord. And if you believe it, can you shout aloud, Amen. Amen. So God said to Sarah, and He's saying to you and me, is anything too hard for the Lord? See, I want you to know that big is the way you naturally think. The child thinks the way God wants them to think. It's adults that get messed up, not the children. When you see that kid, don't you paint them as being idealistic. You point them as being connected with God. Jesus didn't say you need to become old, mature, seasoned and disillusioned. He said you gotta become like a little kid if you want the Kingdom of God to find residence in your heart. 
Jesus fought against the big. He declared victory over the big. He bound the big. Let me give you some of the things that Jesus said. John 15, 7, He said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. That doesn't sound small to me. Who's with me tonight? Matthew 17, 20, Jesus replied, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will be moved. Nothing will be impossible for you. Here we go. Here's another one. Mark 9, 23. If you can, question mark. If you can, question mark. The guy said to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, meaning if you can do a little bit, then take pity a little bit. I am small. I'm thinking small. If you can do just a little bit. My son has seizures, but if you could lower the seizures. My life's got no hope, but if you could give a little bit of hope. My marriage has no joy, but if you could give a little bit of joy. If you can do anything, could you take pity on us and help us. And Jesus did what I never want Him to do to me, team. He repeated the man's words back to him with a question mark on the end. If you know anything about parenting, that's anger. He said, if you can, if you can, if you can, what do you say? <laughs> I got no voice, but a lot of passion. If you can, question mark, nothing is too hard for the Lord. I came in and I tell you that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. If you believe that God is big and can do whatever He wants to do in whatever time frame He chooses, I want you to jump to your feet and give that God some praise in this room right now. Come on, come on, come on. Lift a shout, lift a shout, lift a shout. Come on. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for Him. Nothing is too hard for Him. See, friends, I believe that we're gonna see in these next days a great forward movement. A great forward movement. Andy Simkin came up to me the other day like a Jesus-possessed freak. And he said, John, we have to train every life group leader. His eyes were like wild. I said, okay, why? He said, because if 500 people walk in the doors of our church in the next month, then we need to have the net ready to contain the harvest. What's, what's my reaction? What's your reaction? Ha! Or yeah! Get some bread! Get a calf, make a meal. I reckon God wants some Abraham-like, Red Bull-like people that have got a quickness about them, a speed about them, a confidence about them, a belief about them. We need a hundred more leaders. We need a thousand more volunteers. We need to get new Christians packs. We need to make some more room in the seats. We need to open up some more car parks. We need some more money. We need some more worship. Let's get ready for the next level. Let's believe God. Let's get on the front foot. Let's open doors to our high schools. Let's believe for our university hostels. Let's declare new life freedom. Does anybody believe that God is able to do it? Anybody believe that nothing is too hard for the Lord?
Come on, if you believe it, give God some praise in this moment. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. I believe that there are many people in this auditorium that God's going to light your life up and cause you to be a voice to a new generation. And God wants you to know that nothing is too hard. Nothing is too hard for the Lord and nothing is too hard for you. When you align your life with God's eternal will and purpose, you are a world changer. You can do what God's called you to do. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Don't take a seat, but let me give you three signs that you can tell when you've got small in your life. Number one, if you feel it's too late. Anybody thinking that your dreams are too late? It's too late. That's not God. That's small. Bind the lie of the devil. Believe the truth of God. It's never too late. If you can breathe, God's got a destiny for you. If you believe it, shout amen. Come on. I'll give you the second way you can tell when small's in your thinking. When you feel unworthy. Anybody in this room who feels like you are too sinful or too undeserving or just too unworthy for God to use, that's a lie from the devil. Don't call unclean what God made clean. Don't call unworthy those whom Jesus made worthy. If you believe God is the only one, Jesus' love is the only thing that can make you worthy, then could you give God some praise in this room right now? Come on. And you know, small is in your thinking when big seems excessive. When big seems excessive. Why build an auditorium like that? Somebody prints an article or something and says, why would you spend money on a church building? Aren't there enough already? That's just small. It's just small. Do you know why they killed Jesus? Because a woman thought a $46,000 bottle of perfume was worthy of tipping all over his feet. And a guy said, that's just too much. And he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. His name was Judas. We just got to get the big back. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.